The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Welcome to the Influencer's Edge. This is the place where you come to get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools, and techniques to leapfrog over the pack in sales, persuasion, and influence. Be sure you visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, tune in, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to the Influencer's Edge. We have a very interesting guest today, Adam Hires. Adam has an unusual background, to say the least. I'm just going to read a little bit of his biography, and then we're going to pause during the biography, because this is really interesting. So Adam joined the mortgage loan industry in 2016, and his desire to succeed has allowed him to become a top 1% income earner. I didn't say top 20%, top 10%. I said top 1% income earner. So I think that qualifies him as someone that you should find yourself listening to quite carefully. With his background in powerlifting, pause. I often hit the pause button when I interview people on my show. Powerlifting, show us the guns, dude. Do you still have them? Not, not much. <laughs> well, it's pretty good. <laughs> my thighs. Yeah, you're back. My thighs. Powerlifting. Well, I want to talk to you about that. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, led him to start his first coaching job in powerlifting and strength athletics. Uh, I would have flunked out of that. I'm just going <laughs> to. I want to know uh, a lifestyle based on discipline and the motivation to always bet on yourself. Adam started using his experiences in sales leadership skills to develop courses to enhance mortgage loan officer skills, not only for their businesses, but themselves as well. So, you know, this show is aimed at no particular industry, but it's aimed at people who are at the very top already of their sales game or their entrepreneurial game or are looking to influence in general or already quite good at. So let's back up. We've never had a power lifter on the show. We've had magicians and hypnotists and I don't know that we'll get firewalkers because <laughs> I don't believe in all that stuff. Powerlifting. So yes. I want the world to get into powerlifting. Powerlifting shift into being motivated to teach people to be champions at selling. <laughs> yeah, so... Um... Sorry, I'm breaking up or two breaking up. I apologize. Uh, okay, good, good. <laughs> Sorry. Don't break up with me. You'll break my, I mean, we only started. <laughs> okay, I was paused there for a second. 
Yeah, powerlifting. Um, you know, I was I was I was actually boxing before that, and then we said, you know, went out and um, you know took took a week off and thought, hey, I'm going to try to lift some weights. Went out and uh, got some weights, and it was 390 pounds, and I, I was dead. I deadlifted that, and I was like, okay, that's pretty good. Let me go to the gym, and I, I deadlifted 580 pounds the first time I lifted, and Whoa, I didn't know how good that was. Whoa. Yeah. Pause button. 580 pounds. I'm trying to place that in my mind. How is that in terms of if anyone in the audience lifts? I don't know. I lift the food to my mouth. And no, I actually have a trainer, believe it or not, at my age, yeah. 85. And I don't think I look 85. <laughs> I'm not 85. So is that a for a power lifter? Is that just, it's a lot for someone walking in off the street. Yeah, that's it is a lot for someone that hasn't lifted. I, I didn't realize how good it was. That's I went and got a powerlifting USA book and started looking up and thought, how good is that for what I weigh? And I weighed about 200, a little over 210 pounds at the time. And uh, I thought, okay, that's not bad. So I got addicted pretty quick to it. Uh, never, never uh, went back to boxing <laughs> after that, just decided to, to go all in. Uh, rose through the ranks and ended up being ranked number one in my weight class. Um, and, and it was, it was just a passion of mine to, to continue to grow. And what I, what I enjoyed the most about it was not just the weights. It was the, it was just a human potential, which, which is something that I, I'm sure you'd agree that when it comes to language patterns and influence and, and how we untap the mind is, is the most beautiful thing in the world to see what the growth potential is. And of course, lifting was just an avenue um, to, to do that. You know, even though people think it's a physical thing, uh, obviously is, but it's so much mental to crawl up under big weights and um, just keep pushing the barriers and, and visualize and all the things that go along with it. And that's no, I don't know all the things that go along with it. <laughs> My audience doesn't either. So let's talk about that and relate it into improving as the influencer and the salesperson and an entrepreneur. So let's, what does go into that? What do you mean by, what do you mean by mindset and visualizing? Unpack that because everyone has a different formula. Obviously, if you're deadlifting 580 pounds over your head, what was your maximum weight you got to? I deadlifted 835, squatted 875, and benched 535. Okay, so we need to talk. Obviously, what? so how did you come up with this mindset of constant improvement, and how did you use visualization to do that? Well, I remember being in my office at the time, and an hour, two hours, three hours beforehand, that's all I was thinking about, visualizing the weight, and I'm not sure it was the best <laughs> for my work performance. Uh, however, I just kept thinking when I was going to go hit that weight and I visualized getting up under the weight all the way until I racked the weight and then celebrated. So I would watch myself as and I think after after time, I didn't realize what I was. Nobody taught me to do it. And and when I even transitioned to business, I realized how powerful it was because I wasn't I wasn't in the moment, lifting the weight, I was watching myself through a lens of a video. So I wasn't actually there. It was always like, I hadn't done it yet, but I seen the vision of what would happen. So I believe through all, all the experiences I've had is seeing myself do something 
as a third person viewpoint was the best visualization I could have. And so when I try to visualize, for example, if I'm under doing it, then it doesn't have the same visualization for me or the impact. And it feels like it's incongruent with how my, my mind would react to that. So uh, that's a little confusing for the audience. So let me, okay. that's good. Did you, yeah. as someone who's been doing neuro-linguistic programming for yep. 30 plus years, yes. when you visualize, did you do it as if you were looking out through your own eyes or did you do it as if your whole, but you could see your whole body doing the motion or both or, or neither or which? It was, it was like I was a third person watching it from a, a view of about 10 feet away. Um, all right. Now you said you saw it all the way through to your finishing up and racking the weights. Yes. So you saw the finished product, and I'm assuming you got some of the good feeling of having done the. So I, I want to make the point again that this is is not just the, this is the point is not to learn how to power lift eight billion pounds over your head. <laughs> it's how you extracted those lessons. Now here's the question for you: Did you actually go through a process of thinking? Hmm. How can I extract these lessons and make myself successful in business? Or did it just naturally map over unconsciously without you thinking about it? Some of it was unconscious. And then I had to transition some of it consciously simply because I, you know, I think where I went awry is um, I think I went to so-called experts that, you know, that, you, you know, obviously being as, as, as someone that, that, that teaches, I think, against some of those things where, you know, your great phraseology is up until now. And when people um, say, hey, just just like you've done it before, or if you're in the first person doing it, I think there's incongruence there where I've already accomplished, accomplished it, so I don't need to actually accomplish it. And when I try to do that, where it's like, okay, I am this person, it was incongruent. For example, if I said, when I came into loan space and said, I am a 20 loan month producer, my mind says, uh, you're a liar. You're not. And so what I would try, if I try to look at through the lens of I've already done that, then the mind is like, okay, if you've done that, you, you're, you're a liar. However, also you're celebrating in a moment. So why even do it? If you, if you can already accomplish that without actually accomplishing it. So when I, when I heard those messages, I feel it was um, it actually hurt me through time when I listened to the wrong messages. And then when I went back and pulled and extracted and went, what was the things that I did in the powerlifting game, the visualization, how that work? And then I listened to, you know, people were in, were in connection with as well, where they are able to say, hey, it's more of a third person view. It's more of that. And I was like, that's exactly what I was doing before. And then when I went back to that, uh, even even more so the last few years, it's helped me. Uh, it's helped me visualize that better and 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 really try to reach to that point in a, in a in a more succinct manner. And there's one of the things I think is really interesting about what you said. I want to put a fine point on it: is you gave yourself a little bit of that feeling, just a little bit of the feeling of success after having racked the weight. Yes didn't just see yourself doing it. Again, this is not about lifting. I don't care if you do more than lift the hand to put the hose in your mouth. Can we yeah. say hose these days? I don't know. I don't know. It's not a family show. I can say whatever the shit I want. <laughs> I try not to throw in too many swear words, but occasionally I have clients who have body mounts and that's okay. So you mapped it over 
to doing your your loan officer biz, correct? Yes. That's one thing. It's one thing to do okay to be one of the top 10%, but you went to one of the top 1% earners. Mm -hmm. I'm sure everyone here, no matter what their particular business is, as I always teach, you're never selling your product, your service. You're always selling decisions and good feelings about decisions. So it applies to everybody listening. How in the hell did you, was it a meteoric rise to 1% or did you have ups and downs? And how did you keep a motivation, consistent, realistic motivation to get to 1%? Well, actually, it happened really rapidly. I got in the loan game. I was running Ashley Furniture before that. You were running what? An Ashley Furniture. So I was coaching salespeople, and that's what I was doing. And I was always studying influence and sales. Uh, but I wasn't on the floor. I was. I would close deals down. I would come over and close the deal down. And my salesperson didn't uh, wasn't able to do it, or you know, of course, coaching them through it. But then I decided, okay, I'm going to go in this loan space because I want I want something different and, and feel like I had more control of, of my real business. And I thought I was good. But then, I, I, of course, as, as soon as I said, okay, I'm going to do this, all commission, and, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's now or never, I got to do this. I thought, oh, shit, uh, am I as good as what I think I am? So, of course, I just started you know, studying up as much as I could on influence, just from everywhere I could, you know, YouTube, everything. Um, so I came in and I remember, you know, the guy was like, yeah, yeah. If you, if you just call some real estate agents, you'll, you'll, you'll do well, you'll make this amount of money. And then I, you know, day one, I mean, it was day one, day two, I was talking to him. I said, okay, if I just do this, I can make, you know, this, this amount of money. He's like, well, that's hard to do your first year. And I'm like, oh, Okay. It's a little different. Limiting belief on you right away. Yeah. Right away. Someone said it's hard. Yeah. So, but I said, okay, um, let's, let's, let's see what happens here. I'm just going to, I'm going to go after it. I'm going to, I'm going to have great conversations and I'm going to have enough of them. So my first month in, I started getting uh, real estate agents say, yes, I'm going to start referring you business. So I got 16 applications my first month of, of people applying for a, you know, a, a mortgage. Um, and I remember going home at the time, my wife's like, well, how many is going to close? I'm like, well, that's not how it works. It's going to take some time because, you know, people got to apply and look for a home and all that stuff. Next month, I get like 35 people apply. I'm like, okay, I'm getting excited. Things are going to go well. And then the third month in, I just start closing deals. I had 13 loans in the pipeline, which is really big, just for reference, is like the normal loan officer out there close to Closes three or four deals a year a month. Uh, so I had 13 all of a sudden. I did, you know, I closed 10 that that third month. You know, some carried over. I did 10, 10, 10, then 20 loans in a month in my sixth month in, which is is definitely in the top one percent, uh, far in the top one percent. And so we went to a uh, conference and I walk in and, and people already knew who I was. And they're like, man, there's a man in the myth legend. I'm like, well, what's, what's going on? I was in blissful ignorance because I, I didn't know exactly how good that was at the time. And so, hey, can you speak in front of this crowd? And it was like 350 loan officers. And they said, how in the hell are, did you do, are you doing that many loans? Um, you know, from zero to 20 loans in a month. And I said, well, uh, let's have great conversations. And then I would have loan officers call me and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going out there. I'm, I'm meeting well, these let's people. Let's have that. I'm going to interrupt you. No, I have to interrupt people. 
give me shit about it. Like, you interrupt your guts too much. No, I'm good. I, I know I'm good. Point. So I, I'm an interrupted coach, but I'm also sort of an interruptive. Uh, and some people like it, some people don't. But let me put you on, uh, on pause there. Yeah. Just for a second. So you said that there, there's a difference. Let me put it this way. There's a difference between being good at a skill and being able to teach it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So you got up there and you essentially had to do some teaching. Yeah. When you had never really taught before. Yeah. So how did you overcome that hurdle when you didn't have any time to figure it out? They just put you on the stage. <laughs> um, you, you know, I, I didn't have and, and I relate this, excuse me, I relate this because as salespeople and entrepreneurs, we're going to run into that. We're going to be yeah. into the pool and we don't know how to swim in those particular waters. So how did you do that? Isn't that the exciting part about it? I love it. Yeah, you know, you've got to be able to reframe it that way. And I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's uh, that's what makes it uh, exhilarating. But yeah, I was obviously honored, and I was I was happy to to speak. It wasn't a long speech. It was just how you go about that. And I think you know it was probably seven eight minutes, and just talk ten maybe ten minutes, and just hey, this is what I do, and this is how I have a conversation, and and all that. So I was getting, of course, calls the, the next couple of days, loan officers just saying, Hey, I'm struggling. I'm going to meet real estate agents, but what are you doing? And of course it was the same old thing where it's like, what do you say? Well, I'll talk about how quick we're closing and our rates and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, you need to throw that garbage out the window. That's not how you sell. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about that. And I think you bring up a really great point, Paul, is that, you know, it's one thing to do it and one thing to teach it. I think there's certainly um, things that, uh, especially as my evolution into coaching has been where there's a lot of unconscious habits that I have and then digging it out. So I have to go through other material, read books just to go, oh, yeah, I, I do that unconsciously. Or I go back through a demonstration of what is all the things I did? Because sometimes when we do it for, you know, or naturally we've done it, then then we just it goes to unconscious mind and we're not realizing all the little steps and then we get step past it. So which I which I I love as well because when you go back through those steps and you you really sharpen your tool again. So um, and, and of course being uh, you know and you know a coach like yourself that's helped me in in tremendous ways in this whole whole deal too and the influence you've had it's dug out some things that I already like okay I knew that unconsciously and I did that and then some stuff it's 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 as you say batshit crazy and it's way different than I've ever done and it's another just a complete game-changing tool for me to be able to use and help my clients so it's all exciting to me i want to know since you brought up uh, you said to these loan officers throw out all that stuff that's yeah. not a good sales conversation so let's break it down in your mind what are the top two or three elements that make for a great sales conversation and i just want to throw this in well, I had four trainers, coaches, mentors, myself. And one of my mentors said, look, Paul, my biggest secret to sales in this guy's a multimillionaire is I find out what someone's pain is. I pour salt in the wound and rub it in so it really hurts. And then I present myself as the only solution. <laughs> but so teach our audience from your perspective and from what you've learned, you you had to learn what didn't work, and you had to have the courage to dump it. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think makes for a great sales conversation? I believe I believe authority coupled with rapport has to be there. Um, rapport is one of those things that's thrown out like just 
you know, flippantly anymore. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the big mess, I think, with the rapport is, hey, let's talk about the weather and all that stuff that nobody gives a crap about. It's real rapport that you're, 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 you're picking out. For example, you know, if you have something in your background on the Zoom, it's, uh, hey, well, that's really interesting. Tell me about that and go into detail there. That's real rapport. That's talking about real stuff that matters. And then you can get in all these different layers, like pointing something out that actually is meaningful. Small talk makes you small. So I believe that you have to have conversations that are real rapport grabbers that are going deeper into someone's, uh, you know, they're behind their walls because people are going to have some walls up. And when you start talking small, we just lose them because, you know, as, as one of our friends says, I mean, focus is our number one currency. And the moment that we're saying something that sounds similar, they go down that same script of, okay, you're like every other loan officer, like every other salesperson. And when they borrow from that script, you're screwed. So you have to make sure that you're being different in a way that you present yourself off the bat. And I think, again, the second thing is authority as you've got to, you've got to come across in the frame of being that kind of the doctor frame of, of, Hey, I'm here to, to have a great conversation with you, dig in and have a, have a, have a conversation that's going to be meaningful to you that I'm going to be able to help. And the moment that they think, Hey, listen, you need, you need me to do all those loans as, as, as a loan officer is talking to a real estate agent, you know, you're, you're screwed at that point because then they're like, okay, you need me. And now it's, you're coming to me instead of, Hey, let's be, a, a partnership team that's collaborating, that's growing together. So I think that when you come and you're, you're building good, great rapport, that's also coupling with authority, then you're, then you're already setting yourself for, up for a lot of success, which I think there's a big two key misses off the bat when we're, we're trying to just, we're trying to talk about rates, terms, services, or small talk. Okay. I would be remiss as the host of the show. If I didn't hold your feet to the fire a little no. bit, okay? I'm, I'm still not <laughs> what you, sir, mean by authority. One, one of the things I say is people will not accept you're an authority on where they should go unless they accept that you're an authority or an expert on where they yeah. are. So what do you mean by authority? You mean speaking in a command tonality or having your degrees behind you so that you know, I'm using a green screen, so yeah. See what's on my ball. Yeah. <laughs> understand what I mean? I like that you have success behind yeah. you. But yeah. what do you specifically mean by authority? So all the salespeople, all the entrepreneurs, all the influencers listening to the show, watching the show, mm-hmm. can think to themselves, wow, Adam's pretty amazing. CI, I go by CIA, um, which is control, intent, and appearance. So does your control, are you, and when I say control, that's obviously right off the bat, oh my gosh, you're controlling somebody. Control is speaking to yourself and how you control your body language, how you control your motions, how you can, how you're moving. So if you can imagine for for a moment, if somebody, you're walking in a room and somebody is, is moving really erratically, is that going to show control or perhaps that shows somebody is maybe nervous got a lot of stuff going on or somebody is moving at a, at a almost underwater type of movement. They're, they're very controlled. They know what's going on. They're taking up room 
right? So, so the more room we can take up that we're confident, we're composed and all those things that are going along with it. And that's not, and of course, you know, that's the other thing I was going to too, is that whole, you know, if you're posturing or you're shrinking, you know, or you're just being really confident, composed, all those mechanisms working together, going into, hey, does this person know that I have the best intent for them? And we're showing up in a way that's not talking about, again, rates, terms, services, all that is an, the intent is, hey, I'm here to pitch something instead of we're going to collaborate together. We're going to share together. We're going to do these things together and see if we're possibly a good fit. And then the appearance is, again, just something that, you know, we have to always understand, like, how is that appearance looking? How are we coming across on that? And not just the control of, of how we're moving, but how are we maybe dressed as well? Are we, are we, are we, you know, looking like we're safe? We're looking like we're uh, someone that they can trust. And that authority coupled together, where is, if you're the most relaxed person in the room, you're going to absorb the other person, you know? And so if you're nervous and you're doing all those other fidgety things, you're moving differently, then the other person is naturally going to absorb and say, Hey, I got the frame. I'm the one in control. I'm the one that's got the, the authority rather than listen, it doesn't matter what you're, if you're going to get business from them, doesn't matter if your authority frame is correct they will still be following your lead. And if you can get them to follow your lead off the bat, which there's obviously some things you can do as far as, you know, off the bat of, of movements and things to, to have them start following along, which is really cool. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, if you can get the CIA down and you kind of think, okay, CIA is my CIA there, is my control, am I controlled and, 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 and controlling everything under the iceberg? And my, and my intent is that, is that well-framed? And speak, my to intent. speak to intent because you glossed over it and skipped it. Yeah. So what do you mean by the I and CIA? Yeah, the intent is, is just like, am I there to, to really help them? And one of the things I, I tell people is the biggest, the best way I can say it in, in like just a few words is, is the whole frame of if somebody says, hey, should I use you as a loan officer, for example? Should I use you as a business coach? My first, if I don't know who you are, I don't know anything about you. I say, I don't know. And that whole frame is, is the, is behind the intent because the intent is I truly don't know, Paul, if I can help you, perhaps if I know a little bit more about you, then we together can, can explore this. And when we have that of just mutual respect of, I'm going to listen to you and we're together are going to figure this out. Then we become, okay, the person has an intent to help and, and first see whether that's even going to work in the first place. But when we're leaning forward, when our body motion is leaning forward and we're just, hey, we're ready here to pounce and get the sale, then the intent they know is off. I got it. So it's a, in a sense, you're doing a pattern interrupt. Yeah. Instead, when they say, well, why should I hire you as my loan officer? Instead of saying, well, here's my qualifications, blah, blah, blah. When you do that, you're surrendering the frame of power to them. You're the person, they're the person that you need. But when yeah. you come in and you say, it's good pattern, you say, you know, I don't know for sure that I'm the officer for you. We have to find out if I really can be of service to you in a way where you recognize, yes, you want to hire me to throw in some of my own. Yes. I really like it because it now sets up the 
perception and the truth in their mind that you are there to help them and you don't need their business. You don't even have to say it. You don't have to say, I'm here to help you and I don't need your business. It's implied. And I think sort of what you're teaching here is the implication works better than stating it directly, which you learned that from someone really brilliant um, who I think we both know. Well, I, I learned it from uh, from someone we both know and yourself. Uh, you've you've hammered home a lot of these points as well, and 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 some of these have not been directly um, like I, I've I've had some of them straight from you to where it's I've already kind of shifted some of those thoughts. Uh, and and gosh, you you got so much so much good stuff to teach, and anybody on here is is really uh, fortunate to come across uh, your your teaching. And I, I, I generally say that I mean, it's real true. Sure. I twisted the interview towards no. it. No, no, no. It's it's all true. It's all true. I, I enjoy that because, you know, for me, you know, I, I didn't want the same old lame And when I came across you and you know what you what you teach it and 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 all the things that you're able to, you know, just inject into a conversation that will quickly and easily, powerfully, right? Um, Bill, to help them explore the options to, to work together and, and to make those decisions, which they wouldn't have otherwise. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. So enjoy it. thank you. For many salespeople, we have to deal with either no or deals falling through or the people. I coached a loan officer once, uh, and I said, what are the big challenges you face? And I forget how he said it, but he said it in a, in a, he sort of said something along the lines of the deal falls through or the deal, the rates change, or they didn't give accurate information or the underwriters just were taking so long to do it that the person just backed out because they lost interest. Yeah. How do you handle it when something you put in your very best effort? And it just still goes south because we all encounter this, particularly high-level performers who I aim my my programs and my teaching towards. We really go all in. We give it all. We don't wake up in the morning and go, you know, I think I'll make it a 7 out of 10 day. I'm going to make it a 10 out of 10 day, push the pedal to the metal and see just how far I can expand my life. How do you handle it when you put everything into it and it still just falls apart yeah being a loan officer is uh what uh, somebody was messing with me and said hey it's all your fault i'm like i'm used to it i'm a lender uh because everything is the lender's fault uh that is the that is the truth and there's a lot of stuff that happens with being a lender because you, you can't control it you know you got got underwriters saying hey i don't i don't i don't like this deal or whatever that's just that is certainly part of it, it is being an entrepreneur, being a loan officer, just such a beautiful opportunity for growth because you're just you're you're forced to grow if you keep going. And I can remember a situation where it was about it was actually early in my career in loan space and about five years ago. I uh, had this amazing day. Everybody else would have said, hey, this is an amazing day. I closed like three loans. I had three loans come in in the pipeline. And I had people apply just to all this went well. It was Friday and go home, eat some pizza. Everything's good. You know, everything's life is good. And then I go on in, uh, in, on social media and I see one of my uh, real estate partners that I thought would never quote unquote cheat on me is like bragging on this other loan officer this closed with. And they're like, oh, they're so great. 
And all this just came crashing down. I was like, this is horrible. What the heck? I'm, you know, like, I can't believe this. I've been, you know, helping them going, you know, above and beyond. And it just ruined, it ruined my weekend until about Sunday afternoon. I thought, what am I doing right now? Is this, first of all, how are they cheating on me? Like it's, it's their choice who they want to use. And it's also on my responsibility to, to show that service and show that love and do all those things that are required. And I, Beyond that, why am I letting this run my weekend when I made all this money? I made all these, you know, great connections. People were happy. Why is this happening? And so I just had to look and say, what's the perspective here? And how am I going to continue to, to, you know, just let the just let go, just let go, and understand that you know there's so much more goodness to happen. And I think just focusing on all the positives and understand that. I'm not going to live and die by a deal. I just it can't do it. And one of the things is that a lot of loan officers I see out there will still even promote it on on social media. Oh, my gosh. And I just I stayed up and, and I'm just I was feeling bad for this person. And I think you, you said it, I think, in one of your trainings, too, is like it's it's we can we can feel for someone, but we don't have to always go down with them, right? We don't have to go down and sink in the hole. And I think sometimes myself included, where I really failed was I felt like I would, who am I to be enjoying myself if somebody else had a bad day that wasn't closing about mine? And then, then it's like, this is total crap. Like that's total crap. I can still have a good day. And me forcing myself almost to have a bad day or not, or holding on to that bad energy it is helping no one. In fact, it's hurting my other clients because the energy levels, they're not there. And I am, I fail to have real certainty with even the client that's having trouble. And if I can't have certainty with my clients, then I am really not being at full service of them. I like that. I really like that. And the thing is, you didn't go into victimization about it. You refused to let yourself feel like a victim. And you said something very interesting. You said you didn't get cheated on. Could you unpack that for us? Because so many people feel uh, I got cheated on. My spouse cheated on me or I got cheated on this deal. Uh, And you said something profound. You said I didn't get cheated on. Uh, A lot of people won't understand that. Unpack that for us. That's gold. Yeah, so loan officers do that all the time, and I've, I've coached several clients where they they they'll say that it'll come out of their mouth, and kind of like you, you know, you stop in tracks. I'm like, stop right there. We got to stop that. I know that may be just a term you're using, quote unquote, but it's a term that's limiting your. It's limiting you in so many ways, right? It's limiting you how much you're going to serve someone. It's limiting you on on how much happiness you're going to have. And when we don't allow, when we allow ourselves to go down that victimization, uh, you know, path is we're put, placing all the, the onus on somebody else to say, hey, you know, they should use me. That's their fault. Rather than how could we have been a better service? What are we could have done differently? And when we can, we can just continue to take that ownership of, and, and at the end of it, we may find that we did everything we could and that's okay too. And sometimes that's just okay. Right. That's that's OK. We left it all in the field. But when we when we go down the path of we, they just cheat on me and they're somebody bad, then what happens is, is loan officers will do the same things I did early. Right. Like around that same time period 
is I was like, I'm not going to call them again. Instead of having another conversation with them, and they would have been like, okay, maybe I'm getting half their deals and they're sending half their deals the other way. What's the, what's what's wrong with that? You know, but if we're placing it, they're cheating on us, then we're like, okay, we're just not going to talk to them or we're talking to them and it's got a tone, right? A tone. We know the tonality is going to be there instead of just, hey, what's going on, Johnny? Awesome. Great. Oh, cool. You know, let's, how's life? Instead of going, hey, John, what's up? You know, and, and you're going, you just cheated on me. And it's a different tonality. And so I think we just do ourselves such a disservice of growth and of opportunity that we can be helping other people, um, you know, and continue helping other people when we just, we just shut that door when we shouldn't. And I think knowing you as I have over the last uh, five months or so, that growth and opportunity are a huge part of your mindset. And I think this is something that all salespeople of any caliber have a good handle on if they're very successful, if they're in the top 10%, 5%, 1%, they really understand growth and opportunity. Here's a question for you as a top salesperson, which is what you're doing, really, you're selling decisions and good feelings about decisions as far as getting the loan from you and getting referrals from real estate agents. How do you stay motivated when you're already doing really, really well? And 1%, a lot of people would say, you know what? My mother used to say to me, Paul, don't rest on your laurels. How do you stay motivated to keep getting better and better if you're at 1%? I'm at 1%, I'm there, I've, I've got it. Why do I need to do any more? I'm just, again, I'm intrigued by human potential. I'm intrigued by what limits are out there. Um, you know, for me, it's just, you know, it's such a beautiful craft. Sales is, is I think, such a love language. And for me, in, in, in coaching, what's that? What's that? Uh, sales is a love language? Yeah. Okay. This could make for an episode all on its own. Pause. Ready, play. Sales is a love language. Yo, that would make a great speech for you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I've said, yeah, I've been saying this for a while because I, I truly believe it is because, you know, because, you know, people frame sales as such an ugly, bad thing. You know, yes, it is when people are using it as as just a, um, you know, just a, a, a tactic or something that is, is very negative connotation. Again, the intent is not there. But when the intent is truly, I want to see whether I can help you or not. And when you're in pain, I can see you're in pain. You know you're in pain, but you're not taking action. And I and dig that out of you and make you uh, and help you understand and you understand like the change need to be made. And then you can to, you can make that change to help your family, to help your your future self, to make more income, to have more freedom. That's a love language. And, you know, I we for me, it does me. It's such a bad service. If I'm on a phone call with, say, a client. A, a coaching client and they're they're in pain. They're not growing the way they want to. They're not living the life they want to. They're they're not going on vacations. They're feeling bad about themselves. All these things are going on. And I'm not effective in having a conversation to bring that to the surface and, and, and for them to understand the change and what is possible for them. If I don't do an effective job, I feel like that is on me and that is and, and as a failure to help that person. 
And so that's a love language to me because if someone, I just look at it like this, if, if a doctor, you know, is, is, is a really good salesperson as well, they want the best for someone. And you got a sales, and you got, excuse me, I got a, a uh, doctor that's just like, I don't really care, but I was just going to, hey, you need to lose weight or, hey, you need to stop smoking. And you got one that's really good in sales because he cares or she cares and she's able to help them realize that and take make a change and it saves their life. That's a love language. And you got over here, the person that doesn't really care, that's just like, hey, I gave them the information. So for me, sales being the love language is, is you know, it's it's my it's my obligation if I'm going to do this, and I'm going to say I'm going to serve people that I got to be the best I can be to influence at that kind of level to help them to, because that's the, otherwise I'd fail them. So you're sort of translating your constant striving for even more excellence. You're equating it with being more loving. Yes. That's beautiful. Wow. That's amazing. I've, I, in all the sales trainings and all the interviews I've listened to and done, I've never heard that. That's a very unique contribution. All right, get off my show. Every <laughs> <laughs> time you've spoken, that's that's freaking remarkable. I, I'm actually like stunned. I I don't know even even further what to say. That's that's really remarkable. Let me deal with one more topic. Yeah. Because it sounds to me that your 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 approach is so non-threatening and so authoritative that you would inoculate against objections that wouldn't even arise as much as they normally would. But you're going to get objections. So what are the typical? And again, this is not just for loan officers. This is for anyone who's really great in sales. I should title this what any salesperson can learn about excellence from a former uh, champion power lifter <laughs> or something along those lines. What is your general viewpoint about objections? I don't want to necessarily go into techniques because there's hundreds of different techniques out there. But when you hear objections, what do you normally in your mind think when you hear objections? Uh, you know, I, I center focus back on them. It's like what you know, what what's going on in their head right then. That's that's, um, you know, is is it? Here's what I know: is that typically when there's objections that I, I know, quote unquote, shouldn't arise, it's really trust in themselves, right? I just know that there's it's it lies in the trust in themselves. When when somebody doesn't go to sign up for coaching, they're on a consultation call, for example. And they're not going to go through with this. It's not trust in, you know, my program or what I'm doing. It's more trust in themselves. Hey, I didn't, I didn't follow through last time. I didn't do the things I should have done. And, you know, not the last thing I did did pay off. Can I trust myself to make this decision? And so I know that going in, it, that's one of the biggest things I have to look for. And then when it comes up, sometimes that happens. What, I, what I'll do is, is I had this one client and it, and, Another salesperson tried to tried to get him to, to sign. This was a few months ago. And so the guy had used in his language patterns, and I love to, to pick these out, is he said, um, I should a couple of times. And I, I stopped him during this before this was before the end. And I said, now you use should a few times. Would you care to elaborate why you should and said, I will? 
And what that ended up doing is, is having this conversation that was going to align with my end result, which is he was, he was saying all these things, meaning that he was always giving himself a way out. He was going to still give himself a way out. Hey, I should be good for three o'clock tomorrow on that call. So that's like, so why would you say should? Well, and it came back to, again, he was giving himself that way out. So when I was able to call and direct that two different times or, or, or talk about two different times, he's used that. He was able to address it himself and know that, hey, he needs to be more absolute. What happened at the end, he was, I was able to sign him and he called that back out. And I like how you're you know, able to, to call me on that. And I need to be more resolute on my, my decisions. And yes, let's go and do this. So what I will also do is I know that in a, in, to try to, um, to try to do everything I can for that objection also to be easier to overcome getting them to trust themselves and their decisions and how they're making those decisions throughout that sales process, I need to bring up or you look for opportunities to bring up. I'm going to pause the recording. Oh, there you go. You're back. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I'm not sure where I ended. No, we, uh, I think we got you. We got your message. Okay. Adam, you dropped some serious gold here. Uh, and how can people connect with you? It, obviously, your your niche is loan officers. If there happen to be any loan officers out there, people who want to connect with you, do you have a book that you've written yet? Because if you don't, you should. I do not. I I, I make I make all these content and playbooks and everything else for my clients. And uh, you know, I tell you what, I've, I I I know I need to do that. <laughs> no, you don't need to do that. I, I, I choose to, I joyfully choose to take the opportunity. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> My guests are coachable. Thank you very much. How, Adam, you've given us some real gold and some great mic drops. How can people connect with you? Pretty much look me up anywhere. I got a, I got a podcast my own, uh, but uh, look at just Adam Hires, LinkedIn. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, anywhere you want to there. Uh, if you want to hit me with a direct uh, email, adam at hirescoaching.com. And I'll be happy to have a conversation with you. And, and, and if this helped you, whatever way this helped you, I'd love to hear about that and um, and help uh, help you in any way possible. And your website is hirescoaching.com. Hirescoaching.com. Yes. All right. Thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time on The Influencer's Edge. The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Thank you for tuning in to the Influencer's Edge, where you get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools and techniques so you can leapfrog over the pack at sales, influence, and persuasion. Remember to visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com to enjoy even more great episodes like this one. 
We look forward to seeing you again on the Influencers Edge Show. Mm-hmm.